we just have to be very super mindful and aware of like, are we worshiping equality, liberty, and brotherhood, or are we just trying to uphold the truth at all times? Are we just focused on dialogue uh, or like, you know, conversation for the sake of having conversation so that we feel like we're tolerant with one another, or is it ending in truth at the end of the day? Hey, dude, I respect you. That's fine. But like, just want to warn you, if you're not Catholic, it's kind of looking scary for you. Or if you're not in a state of grace, it's kind of looking scary for you. Welcome back to another episode of PPK. Wishing and hoping you all had a most blessed and happy and merry Christmas. We are Catholic, so we are in the eight-day octave. So we celebrate this thing like no other. Merry, merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. <laughs> so we are in the Christmas season. Um, again, hopefully you all had a, uh, a most blessed Christmas and that you enjoyed time with your family and that you were safe and doing what you need to do. So... I'm going to kick it over to Meeks for some inspiration for this episode of PPK. Yeah, this is uh, going to be an intense one. Um, it's going to require a lot of dialogue. Hopefully, we can just kind of um, introduce people, and hopefully, this leads to their curiosity and wanting to learn more because, you know, this is really just us taking things that we learned and trying to portray in a way that only uh, the Sapons could do, hopefully. <laughs> so, um, yeah, modernism, that's a hefty topic. Um, I was watching or listening to one of the um, sermons on the Census Fidelium um, channel on YouTube, which is where we got the Father Ripperger stuff and all that, um, and all those fire priests over there. I don't know what exactly his name was, but he was talking about um, basically modernism, and he defined it in a way that I found uh, super enlightening. Like, wow, okay, that's a, he was saying how hard it was to try to define what modernism is. I mean, it's so natural and normal to everything around us that we kind of don't even realize that it's there and he was saying essentially it's trying to naturalize the supernatural and so um i mean that's i'm mean, huge he used the idea that you know when jesus walks on water he's not actually walking on water it's actually just shallow end and he's, he's ankle deep he's not actually walking on the water but he was in the water walking essentially or when um the multiplication of the loaves and the fish yeah, he, actually, he wasn't like multiplying it in like a majestic way. It was really just he, that people learn how to share, essentially. So, you know, the classic Jesus is socialist kind of vibe or those things. So it's just constant. And those are, we'll find other examples of that. But that's just a very concrete way of how they try to break down and anything that's supernatural or things like that. That's not, it's not scientific. So it doesn't apply to what we're doing. It doesn't apply to logic or it doesn't apply to reason. So we can't really use those. And I think a, a lot of Catholics get stuck in those. We don't want to include the miracles because that, that really makes it won't resonate with these people because it's not, you know, scientific or whatever it is, even though some of them are scientifically proven. But um, I think it's just a classic way of kind of uh, the dialogue that we like to try to do. And we're going to talk, I think, a lot about that and this kind of uh, this hidden term of dialogue and what that means. And um, yeah, and then also a big thing me and my dad looked at this book called uh, Politicizing the Bible, which is by Scott Hahn and Weicker. And this is not a Franciscan ad, but um, <laughs> it is to the Franciscan professors. And really, it's looking at, I mean, we see it all the time. Politicizing the Bible is huge. I mean, everyone gets to use it. doesn't matter what side you're on. We all get to throw a verse out there. And we've talked about it all the time, how many Instagram bios we see. And just like constantly using verses or the Bible to portray whatever side or ideal or philosophy that you have ideology this whole thing that jesus was a socialist is all we can all everyone just is free to use the bible however we want and it's really based on this historical critical method or just historical method and just deals away with all supernatural right we're just looking at it non-biased non-binary we're just looking at the, the scripture how it's supposed to be looked at very historical fact that's it mm -hmm. and so you know i'll kind of end with this for the historical method and we can kind of break all these things open but it says, you know, the Bible was no longer the, the criterion for the writing of history. Rather, history had become the criterion for understanding the Bible. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where we got. Yeah, I think one of the things that, um, you know, as we were, we've been preparing for this and reading a lot of different documents, listening to different videos, and it, it is difficult to try to distill it down into a way that's understandable. And I think that was the, one of the things you said, Meeks, that we said, you know, it's really trying to naturalize the supernatural. The other thing that I would say is really um, when we think about modernism, the struggle between faith and science, 
right? So they're, they're trying to be at peace with it, but they're going to say, but faith is really subject to science. So they're only dealing with that which can be measured, right? So evidence, empirical evidence, we'll call it phenomena, right? And so you start to get into um, really the Enlightenment philosophers like Kant, right? And Descartes, who essentially deduce everything to that which is uh, the individual consciousness, right? So you, um, your reality, you can't really grasp reality um, until it's presented to you by your own mind, by your own conscience. And it's just, so you really start to see the separation of um, really divine revelation. And so when I think about um, modernism, and you can see this prevalent in today's faithful specifically, right? I mean, obviously we're Catholics and we're, we're, we are a faith-based podcast. But one of the things that I think was concerning to me was just like, wow, we've all kind of been indoctrinated in this idea of modernism. So where do we have errors and where are we, uh, do we have uh, irrational thoughts or understanding of really our faith? You know, um, and, and I think the goal of those that tend to promote modernism was to cause this doubt and to um, cause this distrust in, in a few things. Obviously, God, right? And this is how you lead to atheism, right? In the magisterium, right? So that for, the, for the, those of you who aren't familiar with magisterium, right? It's that the, the governing office, the teaching authority of the, all the bishops in union with the Pope, right? Who is the visible person of Christ on earth, the vicar, if you will, um, you have all of a sudden a mistrust and doubtfulness and you're skeptic about the uh, inspiration of, of Holy Scripture and the authenticity of it all. So is it really free from error? Is that what they really meant to say? So we start to question and start to attack the foundation, which is you know, the word spoken, the, the inspired word of God. And then you start to say, okay, now we're flipping it on a side rather than things being revealed to us, you know, like Jesus Christ um, coming in the form of man. Well, it's more about whatever my lived experience is, right? You know, the idea of the enlightenment, right? I think therefore I am kind of mentality where now it's on me to figure out what what uh, God is and what faith is. And so what does it become? Faith becomes subjective and relative. And now that's why we see this, you know, tens of thousands of different versions of Christianity. You can see that, well, I don't want to upset the Buddhists. Mm, I don't really want to upset the atheists. Mm, I don't want to upset the whatever, just fill in the blank, right? Hindus, Sikhs, whatever it may be. We're all just trying to seek God out. And so it's all, it's all good, right? Universalism, university, universalism, sorry. Um, and so it just kind of gets us to this point of, well, well, it's all really about God anyway. And so we just kind of, mm, just kind of stay, even though we have a church teaching, we talked about this, right? No salvation outside of the church. Right. Did God really establish a, a teaching authority? So there's all those things. What say you, County? Yeah, just when I think of modernism, you know, I, there's like 400 definitions of it <laughs> just because it's it's kind of this, this slithery little guy, you know, you can't really get a hold of it. But I think the idea that religion is something that is in some conscious sentiment or feeling, mm -hmm. it's this divine need that is in our subconscious. And it's not a divinely inspired or revealed um, conduct of a way of living. That's not what religion is. No, no, no. It's it's how you feel when you read scripture and that divine inspiration and and that feeling in your opinion. And when you go to church, it's it's all of us collectively just sharing our experiences of the divine. But I think something that the priest, because I watched a similar one on Census Fidelium and the priest was talking about religion in the modernist view is the idea that we have these inner feelings within our subconscious, this divine need, if you will, but we need to project it onto something. We need, we need a figure or someone to manifest or personify these. So that's where we see this Jesus Christ, not the historical Jesus who factually may have lived, but we're, we're not talking about him. We're talking about the the miracle, the walking on water, the the uh, feeding of the five thousand. That that Jesus. We need to project our divine need onto that Jesus, or onto Buddha, or onto whoever God you want. That's that's why all of these religions now are equally valid because it's whatever your inner experience is is projected onto that being, and that's just as valid as that inner experience and that inner experience and that inner experience. And we're all going to come together and share our inner experiences. And the doctrine, the dogma that has been established 
for thousands of years that has been consistent and has united the mystical body of Christ isn't isn't with the times. It's it's not consistent. Look at we have science now. We have we have a need of evolution. Aren't you enlightened yet? Yeah. And it's like this is it's holding you back. And and we see how this is just leading to so much confusion even within the church. And I think the thing that modernism has done so well is and that pops you're talking about it like Martin Luther when he didn't like what what the church was doing, he said, I'm just going to start my own church. Mm -hmm. And that's what's been consistent up until about the 1900s, where they said, "Mm, this isn't really working because the Catholic church is invincible because it's instituted by Christ and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So let's try to work our way from within and now confuse the dogma. Now now let's raise priests and, and seminarian to confuse the faithful and then the laity are living their life where they're just immoral and we have no idea what we're being taught and then it's just a cycle now we're in 2020 um where majority of of catholics don't even believe in the real presence of the eucharist and it's like how did we even get here and i think that's important to unpack like there's this idea and you can blame it on vatican ii you can blame it on whatever vatican ii in and of itself isn't evil and the priest, the priest that I was listening to said that it's like blaming the end of a needle. The, the needle itself isn't good or bad. It's what's coming out of that needle. Is it a remedy for healing or is it a poison? And it's the modernist ideology that made its way within and throughout Vatican II and how that's applied is that that's the most dangerous. Yeah, you might even say the spirit of it is what some like to say. Um, but I think it's interesting because, you know, we talked about Freemasonry a lot. And that's their weapon of choice. That's what Freemasons, that, that's all they're about, is just modernism. So, you know, when we were talking about, I think we discussed it, like kind of the origins of Freemasonry. I think it was like 1717 or something like that. That's when it was first established. And essentially, that's um, that was how the French Revolution started. But Freemasonry really is about basically equaling all religions. None of them are true. It doesn't matter if you believe in this one or that one, but you have to at least understand that they're equal to another one. You can't put any religion above any other one. That's basically the entire goal of what Freemasonry is. And that's exactly what modernism is trying to do. And so it has its ways of doing it through the historical method or through worshiping science, but only the science that they like because, you know, birth, I mean, uh, life starting at conception, that's not the science they like to accept, even though all scientists say it, or maybe guys and girls being different, we don't accept that science, or they just like to accept, Everyone has to accept evolution, even though it's just a theory. So it's not a law. That means that there's holes in it. That's what a theory means. I don't know if you folks realize that. There's a lot of people who are like, oh, you don't accept evolution, blah, 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 blah. It's a theory. So you don't have to accept it. You, you can accept law. Like I, I fully accept gravity. I understand that's a thing because it's a law of gravity. Yeah, you can try to defy gravity. Exactly. Jump off a, a, a house and see if you can defeat that law. Yeah. So, so there's just these things that... They like to, you know, worship science, but only in one that fits their ideals and ideologies and stuff like that. But um, I think it's important to understand that part because, you know, we talked a lot about Freemasonic uh, infiltration and all these things. And as I was referring to earlier, the dialogue piece, once you get so caught up into dialogue, you sound like, you kind of start sounding like the whole modernist. Well, you know. Uh, like Pope Francis said, how we worship the same God as Muslims. Well, what's his goal? We want to dialogue with these people. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to put these people into this minority spot and kind of cast down on them and do this. We want everyone to feel like they're equal and free and do this whole thing. And at the end of the day, whether he intends to or not, that's not my job to judge whether what, what his intent is. But it just it becomes a modernist approach. It becomes this whole let's equal all religions. It doesn't matter what we say or what the Protestants say. We all have this desire, like Keone is saying, for God, and it's just manifested differently. And a lot of Catholics tend to do that. A lot of Catholics tend to do that. And I know in my journey, trying to understand different things, I tend to do that a lot. Like, you know, well, what is right and what's wrong? And well, I want to be the Catholic that's open to people. I want to be the one that's approachable. That's how I always wanted to be. I went to public school my whole life, so I wanted. I didn't want people to feel like I was judging them all the time. All this thing, and then which is you know, it's a good. There's some good in there, but. If it leads you to saying, well, then they can worship whatever they want to worship, and then I'll worship what I worship, and it's the same thing. I, I mean, I, never, I don't think I ever got there, but you can kind of get caught up in this this approach and this mind, and you can kind of almost brainwash yourself into thinking it because all we want to teach today is tolerance and brotherhood and liberty and equality, which is those, I mean, not tolerance, but those last three are the three pillars of the French Revolution. And so when we're so obsessed with those and we're not obsessed with, honestly, just truth in general, which is what we should be, um, 
I, we get really caught up in this modernist way. And I was, Keone was talking, I was thinking about how could you end, you know, this whole Catholic church or the truth and all these things. You can't just say, well, God isn't real. Cause we'd all be like, well, yeah, we all think he is. So what, what's that going to do? But what you can say is, well, like, well, look what they're doing here. You know, you, there's no way you could support that. Right. I mean, I mean, you're, you're just Luther, you're, you're justified in what you want to believe and, you know, let them be justified and they want them. And then what do we have now? This whole disintegration of the entire church. I mean, that's how you destroy us, really. It's not by just having atheists thrown out there or just, you know, some of these things. It's about truly saying, no, there isn't no real truth. You can just live according to your conscience, like the Jesuits, the classic Jesuit way, just living according to your conscience, doing that. Like, that's how you truly end the church. Yeah. I mean, you won't ever do it, but you could try. But that would be the best way to do it, and they're doing it. But I think, like, we just have to be very super mindful and aware of, like, are we worshiping equality, liberty, and brotherhood? Or are we just trying to uphold the truth at all times? Are we just focused on dialogue? Uh, or, like, you know, conversation for the sake of having conversation so that we feel like we're tolerant with one another? Or is it ending in truth at the end of the day? Hey, dude, I respect you. That's fine. But, like, just want to warn you, if you're not Catholic, it's kind of looking scary for you. Or if you're not in a state of grace, it's kind of looking scary for you. Those are the conversations that you need to have. Because in reality, that's what love is. You're trying to end this person. Hey, you're trying to go to heaven. Love isn't, hey, dude, your faith is just as strong as mine. Let's get her going. You guys are both not going down you know, the right path. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, you know Jesus said it multiple times in the gospel, right? He, if He who bids his, builds his house on sand, right? When the storms come, right? It'll be, it'll be washed away. And I think that's the part. I mean, it, you know, this going through this, uh, preparation for this really kind of was an eye opener because of just the you know we've heard it we've said it that we've just had been poorly catechized for the last 60 years and you can see it was you know uh, pope saint paul uh the sixth who said right the smoke of satan has entered the church that's real we see that in the scandals we see that within the hierarchy um we see it within our own interaction with others and Man, the the devil, to your point, Meeks, isn't going to give us the the bold lie. He's just going to give us a half truth, and and that's the way he, that he's going to convince everybody to follow his. And then we start questioning, like really, we start to question. Well, really, is oh, you're right. You know, I mean, all of us go through doubts. We're we're fallen people, but then you start to go, okay, well, why do you? Why are you Catholic, John? You know, why are you Catholic, Keone Miko? And it's just like, well, I believe that Jesus Christ was the second person of the Trinity. He's God. And I believe that this is the church he started and that I'm in the right place. So I believe everything that that comes forth from that. So I'm not here for any pope, any bishop, any priest. I'm not here for any feel goods. I think at one point I was, you know, but it's like now it's like, you know, we're in some crazy and dark times, both as a culture and a society. And I think that's directly tied to the the struggle that we're having within the church because of this lack of faith and this lack of fidelity to truth. So, like, truth is an actual person, and so when we start to, to you start to see the slithering snake, the serpent, really start to to cause that can be. Oh, that's you're you're not talking about historical Jesus. You're talking about the 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 um, the faith, the religious Jesus, the sentimental Jesus. That's what you're talking about. But really, because I'm smarter than you, I mean, I've gone through school and like I know about historical critical method, and I can tell you, yeah, that that, that really didn't happen. You know, and that was really that was during their age. When you think of, talk about the communal, the community experience of of faith, for instance. Well, yeah, that was what the apostles experienced, right? And that that stuff was just kind of what they experienced. But that's so antiquated, that's outdated. Like you need to get with the culture, and you need to get with the times. And so progression is adapting, evolving, and and modifying according to what is present today. Mm -hmm. Right, as if that somehow has moral superiority or, and then really to be free, we've talked about this numerous times, but I think you, you even uh, commented on this when you first started, Keone, was to be free from any type of external constraints, right? I mean, that's what the goal of the enlightenment was, is like, you're not going to tell me what to do, right? No authority, even though you're ultimately a totalitarian perspective is, is that the government's going to tell you what to do, right? So something will fill the God vacuum, right? And it'll be like, well, guess what? I'm going to liberate you because you're just, you're just so confused man you know you just you have this god thing going on so i'm going to liberate you and then i'm going to force you to believe what i believe right and so then we we have what we think is tolerance turns into intolerance because we're really not about liberating man we're about enslaving man and to whatever ideology you think is best and it's really at the whim of the current age and culture so what does that mean is don't tell me uh, i don't want any moral framework 
I don't want you to tell me, I don't want you to make me feel bad for the choices I make. It really becomes, um, I don't want to incur any suffering, right? So I don't want to incur any suffering, but I want to reap the benefits of the good and I want somebody else to pay for it. That sounds a lot like communism, Marxism, you know, today's world. So there, this idea of modernism, I think, is really something we all, we won't even do it justice in this time frame. But like for all of you out there to understand, Miko brought up the French Revolution. So if you think about, you know, whereas we're listening, preparing for this, what they say is, what are some of the, the, I guess, the impetus for current mon modernism as we know it today? French Revolution, Freemasonic founding, Enlightenment, philosophers, and Protestantism, right? The Reformation. So you break away from the one true church. Everybody for 1,500 years was Catholic. And all of a sudden, Martin Luther went off. And then now you have in upwards of 30,000 plus different ideas of Christianity. Even though Jesus in his high priestly prayer in John 17 said what? I wish for them, I pray that they all be one as we are one. He prayed for one church. He gave us one church. So the minute you veered off and said, well, it's whatever I want to think it is, is well, now you just became a modernist because it becomes subjective and relative. And truth in its true definition <clears throat> is what? Absolute and universal. You don't even, it's, it's, what is true for when it's really true is what's true for one person is true for everybody right and it's universal so it doesn't matter what your opinion about it is it doesn't matter if you experience jesus you know in mass or not and that's the problem we talked about this before when we talked about uh, youth ministry and all of this 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 subjective feel good type of faith when the going gets tough the faith lose their faith right the faith will lose their faith because what happens because I'm only experiencing it, right? Oh man, I felt God in praise and worship, adoration. And we, we've done it, we've experienced it right before. But the minute it gets hard, oh then it, I'm not feeling anymore. I'm gonna go to the church next down the street because they they entertain me more. They feed me more. Well, yeah, as, as Deacon Harold Brexiver says, the reason why you like it because you've been eating junk food this whole time, right? It's, so yeah, they don't have any more junk food. Here you're invited to the banquet. We have steak and lobster, but you want to eat, you know, chicharrones or whatever it is you got going on <laughs> <That's tough. laughs> i think the idea is it's it's really the devil at work and what you're saying about that you know he'll feed you a half truth and that's what a heresy is yeah. there's there's part of truth in it and that's why people fell into these heresies throughout the the history of the church because it feels so blatantly false it's like are you serious you like me saying there is no god i'm like uh, that's a stretch but god is half I mean, jesus was half man half god oh now you're talking let's 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 open that up you know and that's what a heresy really does and now that modernism is this is called the synthesis of all heresies it's it's everything just into this one big beast and when you're talking about how satan you know he gives us these half truths it made me think of like what he does is he has the same tricks right he does throughout mankind but he he divides first and I just think of like, what, what is modernism doing? It's dividing the dogmatic truth from the inner experience that we have of Jesus. Yes, there is an inner experience of Jesus. That's why he wants to meet us where we're at in our senses. But he also wants us to lift us up outside of ourselves to God. And that's what we're missing. Mm -hmm. And because when you are lifted up to something outside of yourself, you have to aspire to that thing. You have to want to be like that. But if he's in here, now I can change him and you know shape him however I want Jesus to be. And now I'm going to live my life according to how I shape Jesus, not the Jesus above me, who I need to change my life to live like him. So he divides, and then he also casts doubt. And I think even at the fall of Adam and Eve, like, did he really say that what you, if you ate that tree or the apple from the tree? Did he, did he really say that? And, and I think that's what it is. It's like, no, that's not what Jesus was really meaning in that line of scripture, because that's not, that's not what the times, no. And, and that's not really, you know, marriage isn't really between a man and a woman. And, and so I, I think you just see the same tricks now that we were so poorly catechized and a lot of our authority within the church have fallen into this and the faithful aren't doing their own research and they're just kind of just, oh, okay, we'll believe what other Father Tom says, you know, mm -hmm. shout out to Father Tom Orlando who's not doing that though. <laughs> so just want to make that clear. Um, but there's, the, there's that doubt and, and there's the division that, that modern, modernism really is and, um, you know what they're saying the the uh, video that i was listening to is modernism divides what should be united and it brings together what should be distinct and i think that's just something mm -hmm. to grasp on is look examine your faith and are you putting together something that should be separate and then are you dividing something that should be united mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and uh, you know the solution that I think Pope Pius X and most people come up with is that you just be Catholic. That's what it is, right? That's what the priest said. You just be Catholic. You're not a traditionalist Catholic or an Orthodox Catholic. You're just Catholic because Catholics are traditionalists and they're Orthodox. So this whole thing, like um, us kind of, you know, being sensitive to the times, man, and the energies, <laughs> the vibes. We don't need to do that because we have tradition. So it lets us know that when you're feeling the vibes and the energies on 98.21 KW6, <laughs> that you can be like, oh, no, let me go back to tradition and where like logic is and reason because you're always going to, this is what time is right here. <laughs> and this is what trends are. They're just elusive and they're always just flowing and wavy at all times. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, you fight that is by being a Catholic, which means you have your tradition and it's not soul scriptura and all these other things. And, you know, another point I like to add to that is like, it is so like toxic to, for Catholics to like claim to be progressives because what progressivism really is, is what Marx's idea of history was, which is essentially all of history is, is, is a circle. So you're just progressing to the end of no private property, no no family, no anything. And we're all just kind of just, I don't know what we're doing, murdering each other or something. And the government, whatever Marx's idea was, is just fascinating stuff. That's what, that's what progression is. That's what they're saying. So progressivism is you're progressive. That means all you think is that history just keeps moving and moving. And no matter what happens, it's for the better. The old stuff, that's whack. We're progressing forward. So it's like this idea, like conservative, conservatives, you want to conserve tradition. You want to conserve past. You want to conserve morals and all this other stuff. It's not no matter what we do moving forward, it's for the better. That's literally what progressivism is. And so it's like it blows my mind for some people to want to hang on so much to this ideology and this philosophy of progressivism when it has nothing to do with anything that you stand for or like at least think in your mind that you stand for or the faith that you claim or the creed that you say every Sunday all these things like get that stuff out of your head that's just I mean it's just another form of modernism it's all modernism but it's just a very toxic way to look at things because that is very anti-catholic and it really is like I mean in a way it's a protestant way but it's even worse than what a lot of protestants do this idea that no matter what we do moving forward if we said tomorrow that there's 100 genders and yes sir there's only two it's well 100's a truth because back then doesn't matter we're progressing that thing right there i think people need to realize like some of the things that we do in our words right like dialogue that we want to use or your truth my truth or progressives we just don't we don't understand what it said we don't thinking about it like oh progressive yeah it sounds cool because like super hip and tolerant with the times that's not what it is mm -hmm. and so like when we just think like you know <laughs> i'm guilty of really liking the bachelor and the bachelorette and uh they love the like your truth my truth like thank you for speaking your truth just little things like that like you know you're just watching and i'm just realizing how they're just like brainwashing people by doing that oh yeah he's speaking his truth man that was sick that was awesome and so like those kind of things, like we have to just be aware of those things. Like when, when people are saying this, it's all just modernism seeping through these little words. And when I took uh, Weicker at Franciscan, which like the best class I've ever taken, he's the one that wrote the, or half wrote the book. Um, he just talked about the abuse of words, essentially, starting with Machiavelli and Hobbes and some of these people and Locke and these people who politicized the Bible, essentially. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to use the Bible to say, you know, like John Locke wanted to use the Bible to say, hey, we have uh, God gave us this earth to cultivate on it and work on it, right? And so that means that his end was well, private property and the government staying out of it. So you use the Bible to say, well, this is my end. Just have the, whatever it is, you know, and you keep going. And Machiavelli, I probably pulled out some stuff about like, I don't know, some one guy ruling everything, whatever he found that part of the Bible or something like that, being a tyrant. And so this idea that everyone could use it, it's all just the abuse of words and the abuse of truth. So I think we have to like, just be super aware of that. I was gonna say, from a psychological perspective, um, being that I'll I'll I'll, I'll, hit, I'll hit him with a, the therapy <laughs> side, but um, when we when we think of modernism and its obsession with the inner reality, the subconscious sentiment, or like how you are you feeling the energy mm. of God within you, right, the divine, and I think why that's so dangerous is it rem it it keeps us as the faithful as a believer to our lower lowest faculty. Yeah. It's whatever our emotions are. And how dangerous is that? Do you live any other aspect of your life just strictly on your emotions, on what you want to eat today, on how you should, should you go to work or not? Or maybe I should work out tonight or maybe I should raise my kids and be a man. It's if it's all based on emotions, how dangerous is that? In all reality, we recognize that. No, it shouldn't be just based on your inner reality of fitness. 
that's just and we and we talked about this last <laughs> week right like how how is fitness like inspired to you is it when you're playing on the P, on the ps5 with your munchies mm. no that's not fitness there's a there's a there's a strict reality of what fitness actually is right um so I, when you think of it it's so dangerous because it, it removes the intellect there, there is no reason now you know it's it's your inner reality and if it is reason, it's only what the science says when we want it. We pick and choose. It's whatever the objective truth and science and the evolution of science and what is progressive and not, like Meeks was saying. But I, I think the part that is that is dangerous because it messes with us in all areas of life because we take this, these doctrines within, uh, I guess, lack of doctrine, the doctrine of no doctrine, which mm-hmm. is really more relativism, right? Uh, and it trains because I guess the, to put it simply, the intellect is what drives what the the will to choose something. Because the will, our our will, the free will is only it only chooses what is good, enlightened by our intellect, right? So our intellect deciphers truth and then directs our will to choose that truth based on what is good. The reason why the I think modernism is catching fire now because it gives us all these little truths that kind of make us feel good. And over time, when you say, "Oh, ignore your intellect." You know, you don't really need to, it's just whatever's in there, then it starts to hide the 99% or the 1% that's false in, in that, that statement, whatever modernism doctrine you want. And our will just focuses on that good and it completely ignores the falsehood, which is so dangerous. And you'd imagine doing that for the past century within the church and outside of the church. We, we're not even able to decipher what is true now because our will has completely ignored the other parts of, of, the, of the statement. We're only going to focus on that one good, the, the inner experience. That is a good, to have an inner experience. Yeah, that's good. But you're missing the other part of the church, which is what has been taught for the past 2,000 years. But if we only focus on that part and you train yourself over time, psychologically, you're going to completely ignore the other side and you're only going to find what suits you and your emotions in, in the future, and that's going to be your habit. Same thing happens when something traumatic happens in your life, and you focus on that week after week after week. What went wrong? What I could have done better? Well, how that person betrayed me? And you do that, and you habituate th- that thought. In the future, when something happens, you're only going to point out what went wrong, what who betrayed you, and then what does that become? It becomes depression, because you habituated your mind to be hyper-focused and hypersensitive to what went wrong and who betrayed you. And that's just how the humans work. And it's really getting to us within the modernist ideology because it's it's kind of removing our ability to think outside of ourselves, to elevate over just our emotional realm. And our will is like trying to choose the good because we, we can't ever choose evil for evil's sake. We just focus on the good, but we're missing so much of what is most dangerous. I think that's why it's catching fire. So I, my advice is, you know, it's even for all of us is, is to really, what are you feeding your thoughts with? And like, what words are you using? Like Mika was saying, because all that affects how we view the rest of the, the aspects of our life, how we're viewing our relationships, which obviously marriage is a joke nowadays, how we're viewing family life, families are broken, how we view psychology, psychology is even a joke. And I'm saying that as a, Someone who got my master's in psychology, I understand that the modern psychology approach is a joke and it's affecting all areas of life. And if we get, if we don't get away from this modernist, progressive, whatever feels right and whatever is your vibe, then it's, it's going to continue to destroy what is true. And truth is objectively, it's Jesus. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And we're just coming, becoming farther and farther away from him or further and further away from him. And, and, I mean, we're seeing the fruit of it now. Yeah, I think one of the devil's oldest trick is to get you to turn in on yourself, right? Because then he has you isolated. And then, I mean, we were just talking about this the other day about the what's trending now, self-love, mm-hmm. right? Self-love, mm-hmm. right? Love yourself, you know, got to love yourself, you know? And is there some truth in that? Sure. Yeah, but how are you loving yourself, right? If you don't love yourself, first off, if you don't, if your identity comes from anything of this world, you're, you're, that's false love. Right. That if we know that you're a beloved, you're the son or daughter of the most high God, that's where your identity comes from. Therefore, regardless of what I go through externally in my lower faculties, whatever it is, whatever circumstance that I'm placed in, nothing can strip me away from that fundamental reality, which, again, 
has nothing to do with my circumstance, with the family that I was born into, um, what socioeconomical class I'm involved in. The fact that I was born from a God who loves, that's real self-love, right? If you think about that, that giving of oneself, but it turns you on yourself. It's self-love, right? Um, you know, you define, right? Your destiny, right? It's just like, whoa. So then what happens when somebody gets in the way of that? Destiny. What happens if somebody um, violates, right, your idea of love? Well, then now we have some wars going on, right? And I think about uh, the letter of James, right? Why are we at war with one another? Because of your passions, right? You're a slave. You, you brought up a great point, Keone, about that we now are, we're moved, ebbs and flow of our life are all predicated on how we feel. Well, good luck with that. Good luck with that. Getting a saying with the job, staying in a relationship. Good luck even with your idea of God. I mean, we, we hear about great saints like St. Teresa of Calcutta, who had the dark night of the soul for 20 plus years, who didn't feel the consolation of God. That's what, So what are you going to do then? Well, that becomes our reason, the highest faculty that God gave us, and our free will, the gift of free will that says, no, I know God exists. And I'm going to choose to follow him every single day. As difficult as it may be, so be it, right? Outside of grace, I'm going to be like every other sinner, right? And, and follow my feelings and my emotions. So we've got, I think, you know, when I think about the idea around, okay, how do we move forward in some of this? Like you have to like really detox from what do you have going on? Most of, I'm sure of us and our listeners out there probably have been indoctrinated into this in some way shape or form whether that's been because you're all up in the culture kool-aid um you've been formed in the public school system which um definitely in california is horrific right because you're getting all of these ideologies and then now it's being turned on its head right and now we're starting to see this if if we don't detox what's been happening over the course of 100 years plus is what it's like putting antifreeze in your in your iced tea every single day you can't smell it you can't taste it, but internally it's destroying your organs. And one day you're going to die from it, right? And that's what the devil's trying to do is to, he, he, if you didn't know this, the devil hates you. He hates every single one of us and he doesn't want us to get to heaven because he's in hell. And that's where he wants all of us to end up is with him in hell. Um, that's the only uh, victory he gets to win you know, from God is that God gives us the free will to make that choice. So how do we move forward in the sense of, uh, rooting out this this concept maybe you're buying what we're selling you're picking up what we're laying down you've got to start to really think through well what as can be saying what are the things that i've that have gotten me to the point of how i think today like are you living really according to the spirit of the age like somehow as if that like i do not want to be associated with anything going on in this culture today just because there's so many ignorant confusing ideas the way we approach life um you know we've got a bunch of elites trying to tell to, to dictate to us morality you know tell us about what it means to struggle when you you don't live in the reality of the everyday person um so what is it that that you're feeding yourself and then i think for those of that out here that are of the faith like really ask yourself why are you of your faith if you're a protestant out there and you follow whatever denomination that you have because you got all kinds of flavors out there right why like, have you ever thought about that? Like, what do you really believe in? Like, you really believe Jesus wanted this many different Christian churches? You know, if, if you're Muslim, if you're atheist, if you're agnostic, if you're Buddhist, if you're Hindu, whatever it is, like you ever just like soul searched and said, all right, like, really, what do I really believe? And, and what, what kind of, what's my idea of God and what has been, what's trans, transpired over the course of human history as far as who God really is. Because when we talk about Jesus Christ, he entered into human history. That's a fact. Historically, right? Biblically, however you want to look at it, it's a fact. He, he entered into human history to save us and reconcile us with, a, uh, with God the Father. You know, so there's a lot of, uh, you know, as we kind of wind down this, you know, 2020 year, which has been obviously crazy and so different, it, there's a time to do some gut checking. There's a time to actually do some inventory on what is it you believe and why you believe it. Mm -hmm. Because hands down, this this modernism, and we're talking, I'll put some links down there, you know, Pope Pius X, you know, Pope St. Pius X, right? He had he condemned 65 different errors of, of modernism. 
um, he has a uh, uh, encyclical that he wrote that I kind of really breaking all of this down from just from the the thought process, the doctrine, um, attacking of the the foundation in uh, an encyclical. It's called a uh, Pacendi Dominici Gregis, which is on feeding the Lord's flock, mm-hmm. right? Which and we need we need more faithful. We need more uh, clergy to step up and to form us appropriately, right? Because the, the devil, the serpent is all up in the garden right now and he's casting doubt and he's he's causing us to mistrust our God who has the greatest plans for us uh, in, in all of eternity. Yeah, if I could add one more little point, I think it'd be important because I think obviously majority of people who watch us are like practicing Catholics and, you know, like the Collins and the you know Sergio and all of our boys out there and those people. I think it's also like, to recognize some of like the modernist approach in the mass and in our church because a lot of things like going back to the original definition i think naturalized and supernatural you know at one point like i was listening to um that priest once again and he was just talking about how you know we saw the mass so sacred that we didn't want to use our everyday language to to celebrate it you know like latin was just a sacred language something that's that's dead that will never be changed there's no way to like different and there's no different interpretations on what it is like it is what it is and i think like that was another way we kind of naturalized the supernatural right that was something that was almost super into the sacred language that we held well that doesn't really mean anything we can just do it in our everyday language so we could all understand it right for the sake of dialogue and equality liberty and brotherhood that's essentially what was going on once again and then you have you know whether it be like um i think just the certain mat i have certain uh, instruments we like the organ and all these things let's let's snatch let's throw an acoustic guitar in there and maybe um maybe a little banjo action for our boy just to kind of fill himself with the rhythm and all these things it's like continually naturalizing it keeping it trendy all these things that we continue to do and it's like we start to be aware of those those things in the mass because things were done for a specific way for a very long time and it seems highly odd the same time the smoke of satan began in the church um that we had this this whole change of mass all of a sudden we were just super enlightened in 1969 to be like no no no, what have we been doing dude for these long two thousand years we've been doing something so weird it's just like i think we have to be more aware of that because at the end of the day it's on us it's on the faithful it's on the i what i would probably say the five to seven percent of truly um practicing catholics who understand all the things that are going on who understand modernism who understand the good priests and appreciate and see kind of the things that are going on within the church it's on us to really start to see like okay like what is going on within the church and why are some of these things being naturalized and they're really supernatural you know mm-hmm. like uh receiving the hand that's naturalizing the supernatural we receive anything in the hand i, I receive county's hand we dap up all the time we receive each other's hands in there my dad, I'm sure, used to give me a little treat, you know, my candy when we go trick or treating. They give you in the hand. What does that show about the supernatural? It shows nothing. It's just like the exact way. It's the exact thing that they try to do. Is like, why are you receiving like like that? It's just, it's just bread. Just put it in your hand like you would do anything, because mm-hmm. it would show it to be supernatural to kneel and receive on your tongue. Because there's nothing else in the world that you would do that with. Mm-hmm. And so it's like all these little things. Why was it this goal to naturalize so many things of the supernatural? And then once again, it's a progressive mentality of, well, that's in the past, man. When you're moving forward, that's what's more important. Or it was for the sake of dialogue. We didn't want to let the Protestants feel kind of unwelcome in our church. All these things. So once again, all these terms they're using, it's just abusing the truth. It's these half truths. <clears throat> and like I said, I mean, it's really on us. It's on this seven, five five to seven percent maybe ten percent of catholics to really start like fighting these things educating each other praying for each other and uh, like fighting this battle yeah i think though and for those catholics out there that you know this is a spiritual war we've talked about it before and if you're unwilling to engage in the battle you will have to answer for that right the fact that we lay truth down um because that's the thing that's that's scary about all of this is in the end you don't got to worry about john county miko because we're not going to be the ones there judging you Right. And I don't uh, I have to account for my own life. But when you you encounter truth, specifically in the person of Jesus Christ, he came, boy, not not to bring peace, but the uh, peace, but the sword. And he is absolutely dividing and separating right now during this time. People who are really actual disciples. When we talked that we were talking about this the other day about when Jesus said that the, the gates to heaven is the gate to heaven is narrow. 
and the road to perdition is traveled by many, it's wide, and many follow it. Strive to enter the narrow gate. Like, this has so much profound meaning now. Like, he knew, obviously, as God, what he was talking about. Like, yeah, there's not going to be a lot of people in heaven, just so you know that, but hell's going to be full of it. Mm -hmm. And I see so many people on the pathway to hell right now. I was one of them. And it's just like, I don't want that for anybody. So you got to wrestle with that. But if you wrestle with it and you put it down, or if you're, if you quote unquote, you're a you know, mass going Catholic, you're a mechanical Catholic, so many cultural Catholics out there. But you say, mm, that's not my battle, man. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, that's a lot of thought. I got to go read this stuff and I got to come to the, to, to the knowledge and salvation of truth. I know that's in scripture, but I don't really want to, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable. Dude, what do you want, man? I, I pay my taxes. I raise my family. You know, I, I like to come home, kick my feet up, watch the game. And Sunday I take my kids to mass, you know what I mean? What more can you ask from me? Well, God has a lot more to ask of you. And so I just kind of challenge you. Um, like this is our problem. The reason why the church is in its state today is because they had a lot of unfaithful people not doing their part, not praying, mm -hmm. not learning about their faith. The primary educators of the faith are the parents. So you need to step it up, parents, because we're sucking big time right now. Right. And you can't just always point to the hierarchy because guess what? The hierarchy is the hierarchy. Judas was still part of the original 12. Deal with it, mm -hmm. right? And guess what? That's why we love as Catholics, faithful Catholics, understand this, that we, that's why the deposit of faith is so critical because sacred scripture, sacred tradition, and the magisterium is what governs our faith. All because Christ is the head, right? He's, a, he's He instituted the, the church, the hierarchy. He instituted the sacraments of which give us the grace to sustain in this life in order to get to the next. So, you know, we, we're, we're here to call you out and whatever you do with it is what you do with it. But I hope to see you in heaven someday, but you got to work at it. County. Yeah. And, and I think just sticking to the truth, you know, like what Meeks was saying, like the, the answer to this is really just to be Catholic. And if it's not just going to mass, that's, that's like the, literally like meeting the, the bare minimum of the virtue of justice, which is a subvirtue is religion mm -hmm. of just giving God what is due. That's like the bare minimum, but charity is doing all things for one another, for God's sake. Mm -hmm. And like, are you actually being charitable in that? And that's not true charity of just doing the bare minimum. That's, that's literally just meeting the bare minimum of justice. But something when you're talking about, you know, the, those, you know, those faithful Catholics that, you know, they go to mass, they're not, you know, just partying it up and neglecting their kids. They're going to mass. But at the end of the day, with the priest that we we're listening to about modernism, he said this could have been snuffed out by the lady years ago in the time of Vatican II, even pre-Vatican II, when you're seeing um, the Freemasonic movement, when you're seeing all this really pick up speed, the lady should have seen this even when the hierarchy were speaking these half-truths because we are... The mystical body i mean you know and and we have so much more of an influence than the hierarchy in the sense that we're just we're bigger mm -hmm. and if imagine if we are all uh, orthodox practicing we understood the truth and a priest comes up and says something and all the faithful says whoa 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 that's not what the the church has been saying that's not what this encyclical says that's not what this church father has been saying that priest would have been snuffed out like that but no we're all ignorant we're like oh man father's a nice guy he goes up he, he you know he, he hits it you know <laughs> he talks to us like this and he's very reverent and let's believe him and then what happens that that flock has been completely misguided and then their children are completely misguided then they raise children they go into the catechism class who just follows what that priest tells them to say and this is where we're at where we don't even know the truth when we see it and we believe that all these lies are the truth because it feels good mm -hmm. and so that's a call out to all of us that we actually do need to be educated because we need to be able to snuff out what the lies are, even um, within our own community, our faith community, because we're, we're going farther and farther away from the truth, which is ultimately Christ. And our goal is to be going, you know, closer and closer to him. And, and Father Ripperger, you know, he made a comment about, it was historically the, the teaching of the church that all grace, any grace that anyone receives comes through the mystical body that is the Catholic Church, all grace. So when he says, when you see these corrupt politicians, these corrupt uh, bishops, the corruption all throughout um, the ins institutions, it's because the mystical body, the Catholic Church, is not living up to their call. They're not living a life that merits grace, you know? 
So what, is, what does that mean? We're going to have these corrupt politicians. We're going to have corrupt bishops because we're sitting here as a faithful, kicking back, watching the game. Yeah. Contracepting, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, missing mass, not teaching each other prayers, fornicating, committing adultery, you name it, right? We're just sitting there. And so the fruits of that are exactly what you see within the church. And that is a direct correlation to what you see in the culture today. Mm-hmm. The other thing I was going to say, just because, you know, we talked about um, this, we brought it for you Masonic, right? And I think uh, more, more shout out to Father Ripperger, right? When he says that ultimately what's Freemasonry, Luciferian, that ultimately they want to become their own gods. So in this idea, when you're like, oh man, you know, what, what do you feel in, inside of you is your experience with God? You just became Luciferian. Even though you didn't think about it, you're defining what God is, how it's experienced, how he's communicating. Revelation is all about you, right? Well, that's not what the church teaches, right? That's not the experience of God. God has less to do about you and your experience than it is about him revealing to us truths that we never would have had ourselves. Why, why, as we as Catholics, we call them theological virtues. Faith is one of those, right? That it's actually infused it's it's something that comes from god through the sacrament of baptism instituted by christ so it's just like man we got to wake up because in a way you may you may for you may be out there you may be an agnostic maybe an atheist no you believe in god you just think you're him right and in the end that's what freemasonry ends up pointing to is it's luciferian they become gods themselves parting words meeks yeah parting words is uh the 47th heir that saint vice the 10 said was uh not subscribing Or liking or commenting uh, to PPK. He's really ahead of his time. It's amazing. <laughs> he did that over 100 years ago. Um, and also share it. You know, like my boy Taylor Murphy says, you got to share it. You got to share the video because, well, one, obviously not a lot of people are watching it. So we need to share. You need the 100 people to share it to more, 100 more people so we can get people watching it. But it's an important thing for um, just the faithful Catholics to understand. And I think a lot of people are waking up. I think like the Matt Frads and some of these other people are starting to wake up to a lot of the more um, satanic things going on that are very hidden and stuff like that. But yeah, definitely keep liking it so more people can see it, subscribe and and share the video. Yeah, I think you're not going to find another podcast like this where you have a father and two sons trying to drop it you know, dropping down the truth. So we're just here to to serve y'all and we ask that you continue to, to pray for us and during this Christmas season time that you do have hope in Christ, right? In the end, we know that Christ is victorious. And so we ask that you continue to pray for us as we pray for you. Let us know what you want to hear. See, like, subscribe, share, tell everybody you know. But until the next episode, get holy or die trying. Peace.